the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This yeah, microphone put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. 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 Oh, Mr. Dot Commer on WEI.com. Podcast, uh, Texans Week, Patriots Texans this Sunday in Houston. Um, Wait a minute. I got to interrupt real quick. Sure. Did you see that stupid survey that was making the rounds on Twitter? Like some, I don't even know what it is. Some like media survey. Yes, I have. Yeah. How come we didn't get nominated for a freaking podcast? Yeah, there's that gas podcasts on there, not us. I think basically, like, it was a write in thing. So if anybody took the survey and wrote our name in, we would have gotten like 6% of the vote. So oh, nobody I, wrote our name in. That's sad. I, I, I don't, that survey has been a, a big thing for not a big thing, but it's been brought up for years now. And I, I don't, I never really know what to think about it. Like, I don't, I don't even know where it comes from, how people get it. Like you never see it like being promoted, like vote here. Like, right. That's, and that's it seems like I, it's a little biased I'm, towards yeah, certain outlets. I'm, I'm very dubious. That's what I was okay. going to say. I'm very dubious of, you know, who gets nominated and who's leading and winning and, you know, all well, I shouldn't be offended that like I saw Greg Bedard's podcast on there and we're not. No, I'm I'm not taking offense to that. Cause I have no problem. Like I think Tom Curran's podcast, good podcast. Yes. And they, yeah. they're a different, level they invest in it they have guests they have matt castle they have production value i was gonna say they have they have graphics they have production teams they have yeah. this they have that this they're just, in a different category i got no problem story. with them but i think we're competitive with everybody else well we could even get into the, the writers like the nominees for writer of the year in massachusetts where it seemed a little uh fraudulent oh yeah who was it it was somebody that i chad finn won yeah that was random to me no offense to chad finn but like right that either that's really good for him or it's kind of just a shot at everybody else. Like Again, I, I don't know where it comes from. I don't know who votes on it. I don't know how you can vote on it. It just seems very odd to me that like, I don't know. I'm just, I, I don't, I don't read into it as much as some other stations and outlets do. Like, and like, how does a guy like Mike Reese not get more? Right. I, I, the whole thing seems curious. Even it seems like, even like biased. Current or Shaughnessy, like yeah, you're right. It's very weird. Forget it. I already spent too much time thinking about it. Yes, you have. Screw All those right. bitches. Uh, Patriots Texans, a two and seven Texans team against four and five Patriots team. Not, I don't know. It's not like a. a it's not like the Ravens game last week where like there was sort of some build up into the game. Um, like the Patriots should win this week. They should win, but I don't think it's a like a layup. I think there's no. actually like a letdown potential. And and I, I don't know how much you read into like the Vegas lines. Like the Patriots are only favored by one and a half. Right. Which, yeah. I, but I mean, you got to look at it. Peter King. Whole, right. You know, like he's been big this week in multiple, including on our station, but another whatever he does, pro football talk, talking points that like basically relax. The Patriots have one good win. Their winning streak. I mean, they're supposed to beat the Jets, but they struggled to do that. Like, it wasn't that long ago that you were down 10 in the fourth quarter to the Jets and the season was over and you were tanking for Trevor. Yeah, that's another thing that people forget about. Like, they they really should have lost to the Jets. Like, just because Adam Gase basically, as we think, might have, like, uh, cost, like, purposely blew the game with throwing out the extra guy on the field goal attempt and then throwing the deep interception. So, yeah. yeah. I don't think the Patriots are good enough to assume that they're good enough. And I don't think the Texans are bad enough to assume they're just going to lay down, roll over, and suck, right? Like, this game's probably – should the Patriots win? Yes. Do I think the Patriots are the better team? Yes. But they're also on the road, and I think the margin for error is just very slim. I will say, as I started to delve into the game and sort of the the matchups and the trends and the numbers – I think it's a really, really good matchup for the Patriots. Like, you look – Yeah, because the Texans, can they, Texans can't run the ball, and their run defense stinks. Right. So, I mean, I think anybody can run the ball on the Patriots, but um, that's not how they're built and playing. And then the Patriots are going to run the ball. That's the way they – like, I think the game plan should be the same. Like, Romeo Cornell was talking this week how it was a classic Bill Belichick game plan, run the ball, keep the other team's quarterback on the sideline. Okay, we'll mimeograph that and do it this week because their run defense stinks. They give up like 5.3 yards a carry. And you want to keep the best player on the field on Sunday will be Deshaun Watson. 
That's yeah. just the reality. He's the best player. So, yeah, let's keep him on the sideline. Let's run the ball with Damian Harris, and they're not built to run the ball down our throat like the 49ers kind of did or one of those teams. And then the other thing is Patriots have emphasized, Cam Newton has emphasized, they always emphasize the turnovers. The Texans have the fewest takeaways in football. They've only five takeaways all year. So you don't have this huge fear of, you know, them, you know, creating three turnovers and swinging the game. So, yeah, I think this game is built for the Patriots to win. I just can't give them the benefit of the doubt because I don't think they're good enough to just assume anything. Yes, that's sort of what I wrote earlier in the week and got criticized on Twitter for not enjoying the win too much. I I didn't know we had to uh, enjoy wins around here covering the team. Who told you to enjoy the win? Uh, I think it was one of the Pat's pulpit uh, accounts. What said they didn't tweet at me. It was the they took a screenshot of the column and put like W E E I like can't enjoy wins. I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. Like, is that our job to enjoy wins? I, I don't really understand it. Like, and I even like put in the the even part of the screenshot was like Sunday was a good win. Don't make 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 no mistake about it. It was a good win. Yeah, I just and this whole line that people the blurred line between analysts journalists fans fan sites i i like fitzy drives me nuts i I don't know what fitzy is on our station like i'm not saying i'm not pointing the finger at pat's fans i'm not pointing the finger at pat's pulpit one specific person yeah it's just the world where the where the line is between objectivity rooting fans I, i i mean i guess it's just the age we live in it's blurred but I didn't know you had to be a season ticket holder and like wear your Patriots apparel to cover the team or whatever. Right. Uh, one of the narratives going around this week is like the, the young up and coming team and like they're playing a lot of younger guys and maybe this is them starting the, to build the next great Patriots team. What do you have to As make? Jerry Thornton wrote. What do you have to make about that? That was Jerry Thornton's knee jerk reaction, by the way, he's only allowed to have knee jerk reactions. Um, on a on a on a real small sample, I do think that was the story of the win over the Ravens. Not just that you beat a good team, but you basically were led by young guys across the board, both sides of the ball. Um, other than Cam Newton, I mean, your running back, your wide receiver, your leading tacklers, your playmakers, your interceptions—it was all first, second, or third year players, and I, that's great. And it's also kind of ironic because one of the talking points that was building steam was you suck because the drafts have sucked because you haven't had good young players, that kind of thing. So it was almost in response to that. But I also, I mean, is Therese Hall a guy you're going to build around? He was second on the team in tackles in that game, the practice squad call up. He got the start. I don't know. He might be like, I don't discount him just because he's a practice squatter. I mean, we saw Jawan Bentley struggle. I mean, if you made me say who's looked better at middle linebacker for the Patriots this year, right? Yeah. But, you know, I like Damian Harris. I think he's a guy you build around. I really like Kyle Duggar. I think he's going to be a a star for the defense. Um, J.C. Jackson already is a star, I guess you'd say. The question with him is, financially, is he here for the long term? He's already three years in. So you get one more year as a restricted free agent, and then you got to decide, are you going to give him – $15 $15 million a year. You're going to give him a $60 million contract. I, I don't know if they, they value him at that level. I wouldn't, I, I think he's the next Malcolm Butler, like a guy that just not, you're, he's not worth that much money to the Patriots. He's a solid cornerback, but again, he's not number one. And we do talk about it. Like, let's just see what happens when he goes up against, you know, these top receivers. Right. And he's sort of ebbed and flowed. He's had ups and downs. I mean, the one thing we know, he catches the ball. Like he, he's a ball hawk. He's going to have interceptions. He's, I think, what is it? He leads the NFL in interceptions since 2018 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Leads the NFL this game. year. Yeah. But, so, but part of that is, like, quarterbacks, like, giving him a chance to make plays. Oh, sure. They go after him, right? Yeah, yeah. No. I mean, the ultimate job of a corner, if you reach the ultimate level, they don't throw at you. Like, right. you should have you know, two yes. targets a game or something. Yeah. I mean, that's the dream scenario. That's what you'd really want in a corner. Now, again, there's not many of those guys around anymore. Right. Um, so that's a question. And, you know, some of the good ones are aging. I don't know if you watched the game last night. Patrick Peterson is not clearly not what he once was. Um, it's hard to stay at that level. We've talked about it. It's hard to stay at that elite cornerback level for very long. It's hard to get there in the first place with the rules and everything that. So, um, but other guys like Chase Winovich, you know, played 67 of 68 snaps or whatever it was. And, you know, was an off the ball linebacker. Is he a, is he a core player in the front seven next year and the year after, or is this 
he's, you know, the best that you got right now. I don't know. I, I don't know. Cause one of it's just an interesting case because one week it's, he plays 16 snaps and then the next week he's playing every snap, but one playing a traditional linebacker role. And I don't know, I guess you're, I'm starting to, I don't, I'm starting to believe that he actually could be a good player. Like every chance he gets the opportunity to make a plays, he does it. Like when he gets a lot of playing time, he makes the most of it. So going off of what we see on the field, I think you could build around him in a way. I don't know if it, the role he had on Sunday is his like future role with the team, but I think you can build around him. I think he actually has a better chance of that than what he's been. I think he's has a better chance to turn into Teddy Bruschi, not the, the high level of play, but become an off the ball type player. I, I don't think he's good enough to be an every down, like edge player. I, I, I just haven't seen – I don't think he's a good enough pass rusher. Well, I was just thinking more of, like, he's found a role for the – like, he can be, like, a – I don't want to say Rob Ninkovich, but can play multiple spots and be successful. Yeah, I mean, I think Ninkovich was a far better player. No, I'm not, I'm not making that comparison because I agree. But I'm just saying, like, their, their styles. They played – they were able to move around. Yeah. I think he's better – it's a small sample, but I think he might be better off the ball than on the ball. Um, but we'll see – he also has obviously he's a high motor player. Like he, yep. you're gonna get that, and there's some value to that. So I wouldn't dismiss him. And seeing what he did this week actually gives me a, you know a slight bit more confidence that yeah he might be a. And even if he's not an every down player starter, we know when they're at their best defensively, they have like 16 guys that are sort of core defensive players because they want to yep. move guys in and out and roles and situations and all. That. I definitely think he could be a top 16 type player on their defense. What's going on with Anthony Jennings and uh, Josh Uche? Well, Uche flashed. He had a sack. Um, see, I think based on my conversations with Don Brown, when I wrote Uche's like story, coming, yeah. he, he was right. Like for right now, I think Uche is a pass rusher. I think he's a situational guy and you know, I didn't see it as much, but sort of all you guys talked about in camp, he was an off-the-ball linebacker. Like, I think they were trying to put him in that role. A, it's a poor fit. Or B, too soon, too much, too different kind of thing. And I think if you just say he's a situational pass rusher, you might get something out of him over the second half of the season. Now, Jennings is a little different because he was supposed to be the guy that was more NFL-ready, more well, he wasn't run- for the Pro Bowl at first, too. What's that? He was nominated for the Pro Bowl. He was? The Patriots nominated him for the Pro Bowl. Wow. J.C. Jackson took his spot when they figured that whole thing out. Jiminy Christmas. <laughs> Their I explanation was that they nominated the, the, the starting base defense. Is Anthony Jennings a starter? He was in whatever game they went off of. So we go, we go off of one game? I don't know how they did it. That was not a good day for the nomination. So can we send, like... Justin Huron or Michael on when you as a tight end because they've started games at tight end I think right uh, yes they as the extra blocker yes they have on when who started weeks one and two as the extra tight end yeah okay so that's he should be on the ballot as a tight end using that logic if it's just one play to start a game one game like oh boy forget I, I don't want to talk about that that annoys me um I'd rather get back to the young players like Jennings I would never give up on because he's Alabama and there's a transition and we can't we can't question rookies for not playing or contributing or whatever when we spent all of May, June, July saying, this is a weird offseason, no practice, no training. It's going to be hard for these guys, to, right? Like, we knew this was coming. Yeah, but then, like, the, you can point to every team as a rookie that's contributing, like even Kyle Duggar. Like, so why is it – why are they contributing? And, like, Because every position is different. Every player is different. Every position room is different. Every learn – like – there's a million variables. And just because one guy can do it, it's like, you know, I don't know, because Tom Brady plays till he's 45 doesn't mean every quarterback can. Like, he's different. Right. He's made differently. So, I, no, I think you, – I just think if we're going to be fair, we spent the whole offseason talking about the weirdness and the no camp and the reps and the no rookie camp and everything's virtual. We have to acknowledge, well, some guys, this is a redshirt year. I don't know if right. that's the tight ends, the linebackers. Now, the bigger question is – we talked all year about this being hard for those guys, and yet Bill didn't have veteran tight ends, veteran linebackers, guys ready to go, so they almost forced themselves into expecting more out of these guys. That's where I would, like, question the way it's played out. Right, right. 
So yes, I, I'm with you. I'm not gonna like write off Anthony Jennings, Josh Uche off of one year. Like I think you have to give these rookies more of a, a a leash to sort of make ultimate judgments on just because of everything they've gone through. So give them more than more than what they have so far. And not to sound like Bill, but it's good that they're healthy. It's good that they're out there. It's good that they're getting well. Those guys like Dalton Keenan, Asi Asiar. Well, yeah, I've given up on them for this year. I'm oh, so that. it's okay to give up on them. Close to giving up to them altogether, but uh, it's good that they're out there and getting reps, the linebackers, and learning and, and making mistakes or not making mistakes or just, you know, it's going to be a while before I think we can assess a lot of these rookies. But the the bigger question is, like, do you buy into the idea? Is it is there a core of young players from the last couple drafts here that is going to, we're going to look back in three years and say that was the building block. This is the new phase, the new era. I don't I have my doubts. Because, I mean, you certainly – like you have kind of one in every area. If you say Damian Harris is a running back, Michael Onwenu is an offensive lineman, if Jacoby Myers is part of the receiving core, like that's part of your offense. Like you kind of have one at each right, place. But, like, when you say building blocks, like to me, I'm taking that as like pro bowler types. Is that how you're, well, you're taking it? Um. I don't know if it has to be quite that level, but it has to be high-end starter. Right. And I, like, I, don't think, I, I don't think Jacoby Myers is that. Okay. So let's get into that. Because I've been fighting quite a bit on the radio this week and in various spots with various people. The, the midday show, Dale and Keith, their producer, uh, Chris Scheim, as well as um, Rich Keith, agreed with slash really went down this road that Jacoby Myers' upside is Dion Branch. And I just, I don't see it. I don't Ryan's shaking his head right now. I know it's an audio podcast. He's kind of rolling his eyes. Um, to me, it's so utterly disrespectful to Dion Branch, his talents, his production, his abilities, like everything he did. I and you know me, I like Jacoby Myers. I like. I've been a big Jacoby Myers fan he since. That is, have a better career than the Keel Harry. Like, but so why can't we just leave it at that? Why do we have to like go over the top? And, why, can't you, why can't you just leave it as he's an undrafted – he was an undrafted rookie. He's having a, a, a solid NFL career. He's done a great job carving out a role for himself. Like, he's a solid number two, number three receiver. And now right. he's Dion Branch? Yeah, and, and we kind of settled in that those guys just don't have any use for Dion Branch. They don't respect what he did, what he was, that, you know, they think less of Dion Branch than I do. But, I mean, Dion Branch was what he was. He, he never was a true number one, but – he was a number one for the Patriots, and then the Seahawks wanted him to be a number one. They traded a first-round pick for him. Um, he never had, you know, great numbers. He had good numbers. Health was a part of that. He wasn't the most durable guy, um, but he was also clutch. He, he was certainly a, that day's kind of Julian Edelman in terms of big games and the biggest games. Yeah, like I just looked at it. Like he's never had a 1,000-yard season. Like Story to that. They tried to get him that in the 998 year. Bill put him back in the game late in a game where he'd been on the sideline. He got the thousand yards, but an offensive penalty wiped it out. What year is that? Oh yeah, two thousand five, nine ninety eight. Yep, nine ninety eight. The season finale. They were up big. He was on the sideline, hadn't been playing. Bill put him back in just to get him a thousand yards. Threw the ball to him. He caught it, but a penalty wiped it out, and he didn't get his thousand yard season. Yeah, I just. Like, can you ever see Jacoby Myers getting 125 targets and 101 targets, 104 targets? I don't. He's only getting well, he's only getting these targets and numbers because he's the num only guy that's out there. Yes, and the way I looked at it, and they asked uh, Christian Fourier asked Teddy Bruschi a little bit about the comparison, and I I agree with him. I don't. He didn't really do a direct. He just said Jacoby Myers. In my mind, Jacoby Myers is like a three, three, four. I, they, those other guys think he's a two on any team in the league, that he's a top 64 receiver right now. Um, uh, I, I don't see it. I, just looking at the game last night, where, where is he on Seattle? He's probably like number four. Or Tampa or, you know, uh, Houston. Pittsburgh. Like. Pittsburgh. There's a million teams where I think he's might be in trouble to make the roster, never mind be a top two receiver. Right. And I like him, but he's never going to be fast. He's never going to be quick. He's no. always going to be that guy that's like, oh, the heady ex-quarterback who knows how to find holes in zones and get open. He, like, it just – it kind of frustrates me when people can't just accept a guy for what he is and, I, like, say that's good I, enough. 
That's what I mean. That's probably been your point all week, but, like, he was an undrafted rookie. He's found a nice role for himself in the NFL. Like, can we just accept that and be happy with that instead of saying, like, oh, he's Dion Branch. He's a number two receiver. Like, And it certainly won't surprise me if he has, like, five or six seasons with 60 catches or something. Where And it might have to – I've said this before. It might have to come on a couple different teams because I think every year teams are going to say, well, he's not one of our top two or three. We got to get better at receiver. He'll have to earn what he gets almost every year he's in the NFL because of his measurables and because of who he is. But that that may not stop him from producing and getting, you know, when guys get hurt and whatever. Because um, I again, I like him. I just think if you're the Patriots moving forward, unless Nikhil Harry develops into a top two receiver over the next seven games, you go into next year needing multiple high end receivers because. Julian Edelman, not getting any younger. And Jacoby Myers, was he was a nice story. We're glad you could throw to him. But if you build around him as a one or a two, I think you're going to be in trouble. I don't think you're going to be a competent NFL passing game. And I also hate the idea of like, oh, they, well, we're, we mean best case scenario. Well, best case scenario, that'd be like saying best case scenario, Jarrett Stidham could be Cam Newton. Right. Or, like he's not, he's never going to be as big. I, I find it hard to believe he's ever going to go 15 and one and win an MVP. Like, yeah. Can he run a little bit? Can he throw a little bit? Can could he maybe be productive if he got some chances, but he's never going to be MVP Cam Newton. And I feel the same way about Jacoby Myers. His upside just doesn't include some of the things that Dion branch was capable of doing. I know we talked about it last week. I think about Myers not playing at the beginning of the year, Harry and all that. But like if, if Myers was a true number two receiver, I think he would have been on the field more, right? Correct. Yes. Because they, I mean, Demir Bird, whatever. I mean, I guess you argue they wanted some speed or whatever, but that was part of my argument too. Like, so Jacoby Myers is now a number two on any team in the league and Bill Belichick's so dumb that he didn't play him for a month and a half. Like that's right. how dumb Bill is. Like, I'm sorry. I don't think Bill's that dumb. I think Bill sees skills, knows what guys are, and then says, well, I have to play him now, and I like what he's doing, but, again, I'm still going to have to replace him. It's a little bit like, you know, Jermaine Wiggins. You know, he jokes about they should have kept me, but yeah. Bill saw what Jermaine Wiggins was and says, I need to get better at tight end long-term. Right. Better athletes, better production. You know, but Jermaine Wiggins was good. When you threw to him in key games, he caught the ball, he helped you win a Super Bowl. That might be my new comp. Jacoby Myers and Jermaine Wiggins have some similar – different positions, but similarities in that – you don't love how they run. You don't love their physical skills. But in the chances they've gotten, they've produced. I was going to give a comp to Myers, Philip Dorsett. Philip, the only thing with Philip Dorsett is he has the pure speed that gets him, earns him more chances. Yeah. And I would say Myers has done a better job when they've had to turn to him of late. The games where they had to turn to Philip Dorsett over the years, he, he couldn't really take advantage. Yeah, I, I was just pointing to the the whatever the stat that I kept saying, eighteen straight catches or whatever. But you're right, when the games the games that like he was like needed to be the number two guy, he couldn't really do that. The the comp I've used is Jabbar Gaffney. I Jabbar Gaffney's a guy that was like a complimentary receiver. He would have key third down catches. They bring him in in certain situations, but they never really built around him. He was never going to be your guy. Um, we've had some fans that have brought up the idea of Mohamed Sanu kind of along his career where he was always like a third option. And when he was with good receivers, he would yeah. put up complimentary numbers. You could also argue that like, uh, like Harry Muhammad Sanu threw some passes. So that's part of his game. Um, you know, even a different type of receiver, but I've said like best case scenario is like Brandon LaFell where you're a complimentary and you might have one really good year where you're kind of the guy that the team needs to throw to, but right. may not last long. I, I don't know. It's turned into I don't like Myers, and that's the only thing that annoys me because I really do like Myers, but I also really like Deion Branch, and I thought it was utterly disrespectful for a guy that had, like, Super Bowl MVP, was a number one receiver, as a second-round pick, was immediately the number one receiver on the Patriots, came in right away, had an impact. Like, I just think it's ridiculous. Deion Branch was a Super Bowl MVP. I don't think Jacoby Myers is going to be winning a Super Bowl MVP. Sorry. No. I don't, I don't know how many times – Jacoby Myers will have 21 catches combined in two straight games. And Deion Branch did that in two straight Super Bowls yeah. as, as the number one receiver. So like the other team said, we know Deion Branch is good. We have to cover Deion Branch and Deion Branch still beats us on the biggest stage. 
I mean, let's also like one of his big games came against the freaking Jets. Like, we also need to remember that. Like, we're looking at like not only with Myers, but like with the Patriots as a whole and Newton. Like, one of his games against the Jets, and the other one, the Ravens kind of gave up on Sunday night. Like, I they weren't they weren't playing to their full potential. I think that they checked out early in that game. It's possibility, definitely a possibility. I also like there's these um, conflicting arguments of people that defend. Cam Newton say he has no weapons and people that defend Myers say, well, if he had a better quarterback, he'd be better. And it's like, well, there's a lot of button heads there of who's, you know, the reality is neither is all that good. Like there's some reality to both sort of ideas, but also neither guy is really all that good. But right. we've probably right. talked about this long. Let's get no, into the game. No, let's get to Newton. Like, oh, okay. what, where do you stand on him right now? Like, is he, is he turning a corner? Like, do you think he can be better? Like, do you think he's, trending towards like being the guy that they can like build around and want to invest more in? Or do you think like he's just playing well because he's not turning the ball over against the Jets and a a Ravens team that, like I said, might've given up. I think he's playing well because he's accepted the role of game manager for a team that is run first and is running the ball. Well, they just the simple cliche reality. If you run the football, consistently it's easier to play quarterback it just is and they're not asking him to do a ton and that's good because I don't think he can do a ton I also don't think his weapons can do a ton in the passing game but I know there's been this whole oh the last few games he's here in completion percentage and this and that and he's better is he better yes he's not turning the ball over I think he's kind of accepted his role I think he's comfortable in his role I do think it's helped him that he's been here longer. Every week he should be more comfortable practicing and all that. But, I mean, the reality is he has three touchdowns at the midpoint of the season. Like, um, that's just – that's not – Everyone's going to say there's more than just passing. Well, what does he have? Eight rushing touchdowns? So, eight plus three is 11. That's still, like, bottom of the league. Right. Yeah. Even if you want to just go with, like, touchdowns that he's accounted for, it's a low number. It's well below what you should be doing as an NFL quarterback and NFL offense. So, I mean, I haven't changed anything. It's funny. I asked, just generally asked Peter King um, on Dale and Keith this week, like, what's his future? What does your gut tell you? And he basically said, that's a great question. I mean, it may be decided over the next seven games, or it may even be decided after that. Like, I think he'll be back personally, because I don't think he's going to have any opportunities. And I don't think they're going to have a starting quarterback. But, all right, so do you agree that they are going to target a rookie in the draft at the position? Yeah. I mean, I don't eliminate targeting something else either. But wouldn't you rather have your rookie learning from somebody other than Newton just because I think that the Patriots ideally don't want to run this offense that they ran this year? Well, but the question is, who's the next quarterback? Who is the guy? I think ideally they would have a pocket passer. Um, I don't know that I agree with that. Well, then if that, but if, if that's the case, then yes, I would probably keep Newton around and you're drafting a guy that can sort of have similar aspects of Newton's game. So then, yes. I think their ideal quarterback is some version of the guys that went number one overall last year and this year, Joe Burrow, and it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. They are not runners, but they can run. They aren't though. So, like because they're they're both zone read guys. You can Garoppolo, run zone. Garoppolo kind of. Um. Yeah. A a pass a guy who is a passer that also has legs that also can run some. I don't think they want a runner. I don't think they want to have a guy that has to run fifty. Right. All- That's kind of what I'm saying. And I don't even think they necessarily want like a Cam Newton or a Russell Wilson capable scrambler. Right. I just. They want a guy that can run a little. Again, I think Trevor Lawrence does it. Like he's, you know, without being racist here, he's sneaky athletic and he can run a little bit. Some of those terms you throw around, like, I think that's what they want. I don't think they want just a pure Peyton Manning, Tom Brady pocket passer where you eliminate read option, zone read, any but of that if, stuff. But if that's the case, then, like, wouldn't you be better off getting a, vet, a veteran and a rookie and just moving on from Newton? Because, like, well, why like, though? Like, why do you want to bring in a new veteran that brings in a new level of uncertainty if you – because we've talked about – But what do you know what you have in Newton? What? What do you know that you're going to get from Newton? Like, he's not a certainty either. 
Oh, I think they're pretty um, dialed in onto what Cam Newton is, his limitations, his strengths. That's what and, I mean. You're, you're limited. Yeah, but, I mean, you're going to be limited one way or the other. And in this theory, the young quarterback is the, the future. So you're not asking Cam to be the future. You're asking him to be the present. Like I've, the Tyrod Taylor, the, the Ryan Fitzpatrick. the Because, I mean, I guess you could say, would you rather go get Ryan Fitzpatrick and a young player? Yeah, it's that's sort of what I'm saying. Yeah, but I think you'd be, I mean, do I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's a better NFL passer right now? Yes. Like, he's capable of throwing for four bills basically on any given week. Right. But I'm not really investing in that. I'm investing in the other guy, whoever that is, you know, Zach Wilson, who I took at, you know, 19. Right, pick. but what I'm saying is with Newton as the quarterback, your offense has changed. Like, you've, we've agreed that they're they're – coming down the playbook and not calling some of the same passing plays they once called. Like, don't you think the Patriots want to eventually get back to what they were calling the last 20 years? And I don't think Newton can do that. So you're setting the quarterback that you're bringing in like behind in a way. No, but the point is, I don't, you're not going to ask Newton to do that. You just the things you're taught. A, I don't think they want to go all the way back. B it's not just the quarterback that keeps them from going back. They don't have a number one receiver. They don't right now have, the the Wes Welker Julian Edelman because he's not the same guy they don't have the tight end that can get down the scene right like so all those other pieces are also either not yet on the roster or if you like Asi Asi a work in progress right yeah so this transition period if, if our model is accurate if what we think they're looking high for a quarterback whether that's first round second round they're looking for their starting quarterback of the future in the draft we're talking about based on timetables we've seen across the league, we're talking about less than a season of Cam Newton, right, for next year. Yes. So I think you're as much looking for everything we've raved about Cam Newton for, the, the, the work ethic, the energy, the intangibles, the, 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 the way he leads, whatever. I think those are the things you're hoping that he imparts on Zach Wilson or insert name of quarterback here. And then that guy is a starter at some point, whether it's week eight, week 12, whatever. And then you begin to phase into that era of he starts out running a more basic offense because you don't want to throw him to the wolves. So you are going to still be a run first team that plays. And then you're going to start to build with that guy's strengths, open up the playbook. As you said, maybe get back to some of your roots, but also that will involve who's the slot receiver, who's the tight end, or have we developed one? all those questions need to be answered at some point along the way. So yeah, I still think there's a good chance Cam Newton is your bridge. That's fair. Cause you're looking at Newton as more of a, can he help this guy develop? Like, can he motor, can he, you know, be a good teacher, be a good role model and everything we've seen this year. It's that's been true. He's been one of the, you can say he's been a great teammate. Like everything that people say is true. Like the way he motivates guys, energy, all that. I think that you could certainly, a rookie quarterback could benefit from learning from somebody like that. But to the flip side of that, does Newton want to come back and do that? Well, sounds like it. I mean, he's a humanitarian who, when COVID is done, is planning on helping the city of Boston. Well, when COVID's done, that's next year, right? It's into next calendar year. Yes. Right? So that humanitarian, as he called himself, like, but like sounds like you, he wants to be here. Don't you think if, if Newton puts up, continues on the same path and like, plays better the rest of the season. Don't you think there's going to be a team out there that's going to say, we want you to start for us? Nope. With no. three touchdowns and seven interceptions? Don't you think – I know that, but there are some dumb NFL teams out there. I don't, because I think there's going to be other um, quarterback carousel options, some uncertainties. There's – at the very least, they're talking about, you know, four to six first-round quarterbacks in the draft. I don't think there's going to be that many jobs, and I don't think he's going to be – I mean, the, think of like Jameis Winston's opportunity starts now, right? Yep. He could be a guy that – I mean, obviously, he's trying to go the Teddy Bridgewater route. Yep. So I, how many jobs are going to be available, and how many of those jobs are going to say, yeah, Cam Newton? I mean, they, as he likes to point out, this team passed on me. Yeah. This team – do you feel any better about not passing on him? Like, No. He's been mediocre at best. I can do better, right? So why am I bringing – Like, what I'm make, saying is, like, let's just say the Patriots make the playoffs. Don't you think there are going to be some teams around the league that say, like, we can build around this guy. Like, Cam still has something. Like, he can get, like, better. He shows he's healthy. Like, 
I, I just think that doing he, what he did the last couple of weeks. What? Like, how's he playing? What's he doing? I, mean, I think he's a little bit better than he has from the past weeks. He's, he's throwing a touchdown or two a game. Well, if we get to a two touchdowns a game, that's, <laughs> that's a big jump for him because he has three touchdowns in eight games. Okay. He throws, he mixes in multiple touchdown passes a game. Maybe, but I don't think so. I don't think there's going to be this clamoring for Cam Newton to be your starter. I, I really don't. I don't. He'd have to really blow up and they'd have to. I think there's almost no chance of it. And not just because of his skills, but I don't think they want to be that. I think they want to continue to run the ball, play defense, be a conservative team. And I don't think he's going to get the opportunity to show what teams might want. All right. That's something to talk about down the line is what Newton's future is to the Patriots. Uh, the game this week, I guess Deshaun Watson's the best player on the field. JJ Watts, certainly not the same player. And to be fair, the Patriots always do a good job of shutting him down no matter what year it is, who's playing tackle. Like, they always find a way to do that. Um, but he always – he has the ability to disrupt the game, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think Bill was sort of really honest this morning. He was asked about him, and he said something like the – he focused on experience, which is basically an admission, his his ability, his, his skills. Physical talent, yeah. And we know that. I mean, he's had – major injuries year after year he's he's been in the league a long time there's a lot of wear and tear plus it's hard to stay at that defensive player of the year level for you know five six seven years with all those injuries it just it's not the reality and you're right in in past performances they do well against him and it's actually been like Whitney Merciless or somebody else that's given them problems wouldn't stun me if that happened again in this matchup because Romeo likes to move those guys around there was I've talked about this a couple of years ago when he was putting everybody over yeah, David they, Andrews and attacking. They, yeah, they, was that last so, year? Uh, maybe I thought it was a couple of years ago. I think but it was too. I'm just thinking that they lost last year in, in Houston and how that went down. Well, Houston just controlled that game. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. That was that was um, wasn't that the bad Nikhil Harry game? That was where, Nikhil Harry yeah. like intercept like the interception early and Brady phased him out afterwards. That was the Brady clip on the sideline saying we have to be quicker, faster. Ugh. Yeah, that was the execution in that game was bad, but I think the Brady led energy, morale, everything was bad in that game. I think that was a sort of symbol of that team, sort of. Yeah. Um but you know, we talked about it earlier. The statistically the Texans are not very good in a lot of areas. Like defensively, they're not good. Their run defense is not good. Their run game is not good. They have a passing game. They have some weapons that could attack you. But if Stephon Gilmore's back, and I mean, this is the way you're built. Like this is a game that you are built to win. Yes. You should be able to run the ball. You should be able to stop the run better. And their strength is the passing game. Your strength is the pass defense. You have corners that should be able to match up with Fuller and Cooks. So you're built to win this game. I do think Romeo is a little bit of a wild card because he's dialed up some things in the past. He knows them well. He's led upsets or been part of upsets yeah. uh, of the Patriots with, you know, another team. So that could be a possibility. And then, I, as I said earlier, I think there's some – I don't know if it's let down per, like potential as much as just reality potential. Like, you played really well last week. You did what you needed to do. Are you good enough to do that in consecutive weeks? And I'm not saying, like, you're not going to try to or be emotionally invested. I'm right. just saying, does it not happen? Does it not execute as well? Do the matchups not go quite as well? Because, uh, yeah, it was great that Therese Hall played well or Kyle Duggar, but maybe maybe Kyle Duggar gets exposed by Deshaun Watson this week, and you're like, well, he's still a young safety. There's some some learning going. You know what I mean? That, that yeah. could happen. Well, like, I don't think a letdown's in play because – you're four and five. Every game's important. It's not like the teams in the past where you're, you know, seven and three at this point and you're, you know, you're going to make the playoffs and it's like, oh, we can maybe look past this team and ahead to Arizona. Now you're in a position where you have to win every single game the rest of the year, basically. Or, or the games you're supposed to win, and this is one of them. Yeah, this is a game. If you think you have any shot at making the playoffs, you've got to win this game. I mean, a two and seven team, you know, trying to get back to 500, trying to get a three-game winning streak before you have to face Arizona, a good, you know, NFC team. This is a game you are supposed to win if the story is going to play out as a as a redemption comeback run to the playoffs. But I don't assume anything with this team, this offense, this defense. What do you think in terms of making the playoffs? Um, where do they have to go the rest of the season? 
Well, I, I certainly think you need to get to nine wins to be a to be even, a in, seven. even in the mix, yes. Yeah. Now to be an eight seed, if if we because the the fact that the NFL has gone to these uh what is it Rest- high end protocols restricted what what's the word they're using this intensive week intensive protocols intensive protocols so all teams now have to do all meetings and everything virtually you basically only can practice when you practice there's supposed to be masks or face shields so they've taken it up a notch and we all see what's going on in the world around us the idea that you know they have this plan in place for an eighth playoff team in each conference if covid becomes an issue it's not hard to fathom that covid could be an issue in the next seven weeks and if it is that makes it right like they're they're better because what are they right now they're the 10 10 10 seed and but, but they're also they two all, games back of being the five seed. Like but five they also nine are the same. Yeah, they, but they're not that good. Like, I know. Uh, I know. I'm saying that, but, um, but my bigger point is if you get to a point where it's an eight seed and you have tiebreakers over Broncos and Raiders and, you know, maybe you'd, the Bills. Lose, you'd whatever. lose to the Broncos. Oh, yeah, Raiders, not Broncos. Sorry. Right. Um, but you have some potential tiebreakers in there. We'll see. I, I still think you need to win nine games because – Anything uh, other than, and I also, I mean, does it matter? That's the other thing. Oh, whoopty ding dang do. You well, that's the other thing. People don't really like just because you can say, like, you, I guess you can pad to the, the, the history, the record books, like we made the playoffs this many straight seasons, Belichick, this, that. We, we made the playoffs without Brady. Like, I guess from that perspective, sure. But you're right. In the grand scheme of things, they're probably going to lose the first playoff game anyway. And wouldn't you rather have like a draft pick four or five spots up? Yes. Oh, yeah. I would love to pick higher rather than lower. Um, that ship has probably sailed to some degree. Like you're going to have a struggle to get really high in the draft, depending yeah. on what happens. Now you lose this, and then you lose to Arizona, and now all of a sudden you're four and seven again. Okay, things are looking up in terms of draft picks, but right. um, I think we've seen that their competitive level, their talent level, their coaching level. Yeah, they're probably not going to get, you know, have a horrendous fall apart down the stretch streak. Um, but I mean, who knows? It depends what happens this week. It, mo- this team has some positive momentum, but it could have negative momentum very quickly as well. Yes, for sure. Uh, Nikhil Harry, where do you, oh. if you change, like, I, like he didn't do anything when he was back. Like, and he played a decent amount. He played a decent amount. He was never targeted and his strength is blocking. Yes. That, that's all I got. I mean, he's a, you drafted a, a blocking wide receiver in the first round. I told you he, he, he is helping the guy that was on the other side of the ball, who I also don't think is all that good, Hollywood Brown. Um, the two top receivers in that draft may end up being the two bigger disappointments in that draft at a position where, again, you watch DK Metcalf and you're watching a primetime game and he's got a 25-yard touchdown beating Patrick Peterson. And so you know – I've given up on Nikhil Harry. That's just the reality. I tried to give him this whole year. I can't do it. I can't. No, I, I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to do the same thing and say, "Oh, he, he coming back from injury." Like, I, it's just. Well, but that's part of the problem too. He's always nicked up. Even in that game, there were a couple yeah. plays. Yes, just, he he took himself out and talked to the trainers a little bit, and then came back. Like very similar to what we talked about last year in training camp. Not big deal injuries, but no, always like, like he'd be down on the, the ground, team. slow to get up. Trainer comes over. Are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. I'm fine. But like, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I also, I was, something made its way across my Twitter stream the other day. And it was a, a real detailed breakdown of him in college and his route running and sort of lazy route running. And like, and it was fascinating where it was, everything was off by, you know, he's, he's supposed to run a sharp in cut and he kind of drifts. So he doesn't, come right in it's he ends up being three yards deeper and if he had got if he had been sharp the ball was perfectly thrown three yards deeper it's underthrown. it gets there late the guy has a chance to break it up like I just think that's who he is I, I have no faith that he's a high-end NFL receiver or even really a, a competitive NFL receiver I think he's going to be in trouble trying to stay in the league in a couple of years uh, two IR questions guys to talk about before we wrap this up Sony Michelle does he come back this week and if he does come back what's his role does he have a role? He is your backup running back. So as a backup running back on this team, that could mean inactive um, because you have Damian Harris, who is now your stud. Yep. I will yep. 
the column will write itself if Bill somehow decides Damian Harris is not the lead back of this team. I will lose my bleeping mind. Um, and you have Rex Burkhead, who's playing probably as well as he's ever played, who can do both. Yes. So I don't really need more than three backs. I have James White, who that's a curious story that is just sort of fallen out of the rotation. Is he hurt? Why isn't he contributing? What's going on there? But he's your third down back. Damian Harris is your lead back. Rex Burkhead is your backup to both positions, who's playing as well as he's ever played. Sorry, Sony. Don't so you think, you think he's inactive? Um, probably because he doesn't have a role in special well, teams. Well, I mean, you could pretend you could like play it out one more week. He doesn't have to be activated this week, so you could wait another week. Yeah, I probably would not activate him. I don't see the need, and and it's it's putting myself in a decision I don't need to make at this point. But would you agree that that you should activate him at some point so he's not on IR the rest of the year, just in case Harris or Burkhead got hurt? Yes, especially. Harris has been dinged up the last couple weeks, yep. so I don't think it's and, and everyone knows what Rex Burkett's injury history is. Right. So yeah, I ideally I want Sony Michelle on the active roster as my backup lead back type. I don't know how it'll play or how they feel about like again that could involve him being inactive for a couple weeks if Harris is healthy and Burkett is healthy. Would, you think that'd be hard to do for Belichick to make a first round pick inactive? See, I don't really think so now because if, like, I don't even know if he thinks of this as much as we do and talk about, but, okay, so that pick wasn't great. Well, I took the third-round pick, who's now one of the best running backs in football. He's averaging five points yards a carry. He's got a 100-yard game every other time he takes the field. So you can focus on the guy that's inactive. I'll focus on the guy who's a foundation block for my offense. And then Julian Edelman, is there some uh, – My guess is he practices next week. Yeah, because we there were some – some speculation that he could have returned this week. I thought that was very premature. Like that would have been the, the minimum games that he missed. Like he had a, like some people said that he was going to be done for the year. Now all of a sudden he's going to be back three weeks later. Right. But I, I thought Bill had a somewhat positive tone to his generalized discussion about him and Haran, who were the two guys that could come off yep. this week. So it wouldn't surprise me if he, if he practices next week, wouldn't surprise me if he only practices and you start to build up. That's what I was thinking too. This wasn't like a, a wrist or hand injury. This is a knee injury. He needs to get back into football shape. So it's probably going to take more than just a week. And my guess is you don't want to go, Oh, he's back. He's practicing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You probably want a day on a day off a day on a day, like really kind of slow play it back into it. Um, because by all accounts, it's not fixed. It's still bone on bone. Whatever no, they cleaned it's, up. It's, it's more like managed. Yeah. And I, I, what did Bill say? You hope he feels better so that he can be better. Or something was sort of right. a quote that he had when he had the surgery. Um, so, yeah, my guess is he starts to practice, but there's a multi-week lead up before he's actually on the roster. So you think he's back at practice next week, but then maybe not back until two week, two or three weeks later, maybe? Yeah, like partial practice next week ramp it up a little more the next week maybe now he's an option to play and then if he's not then the week after you really hope could it also be a matter of if they're you know still winning and maybe these games matter more like that could influence decision or if they lose that maybe we don't even do it at all maybe but then i also don't know if you've seen the last of julian edelman how that would play out because that's a topic we need to broach at some point like oh when they get all their opt-outs back I think there's a chance we've seen the last of Patrick Chung, the last of Marcus Cannon. We'll see about Hightower. More. So, and I would add Edelman to that, and he's not an opt-out, but he's, a, he's on IR, he's hurt, and he's old. Yeah. Speaking of those opt-outs, like, don't you think some of these guys, like you just mentioned, have realized, like, I can do my life without football? Probably. Well, I think that's a two-way street, too. I think the team realizes I can do without him. And he realizes, yeah, I kind of like not being sore every day when I wake up. Like, especially Marcus Cannon. Like, Michael, oh, yeah. Mike, Michael and Wendy, like, what, there's really no, like, we're, we're doing just fine. Marcus. Right, right. <laughs> Thanks for your contributions to the program over the years. Right, right. But even, I mean, Patrick Chung, we Chung saw that. Thunder, he, right, yeah. And Phillips, like, too, yeah. You've got two guys that are, I would say, as good or better right now that are younger, probably more durable, cheaper, like, okay. Was Sorry, it just Chung talking to the Globe today? I didn't read it. I saw it. It's he's, like, uh, he's into real estate? Into real estate. Uh, he wants to potentially open up a restaurant. Like, he's got all these, like, this is part of my 10-year plan, I think he called it. Like, I think he's, he's already starting to look past football. 
seems that way. Seems like he's actually very active and sort of already well invested in that area. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if we don't see him no more. Uh, what do you? What was your prediction for the game on the? Do you want to keep your same prediction as the main radio station this morning, or do you change it? Yeah, I'll keep it. I'll say twenty-four fourteen Patriots. Um, I think, as I said earlier, this game is sort of well suited for their strengths, their weaknesses. It's built for them. Um, you know, the the Texans don't force turnovers. They can't stop the run. They can't run the ball. All those things are good signs for the Patriots. I got 27-20 Patriots. I think maybe a late touchdown from Houston. I, like, I think the Patriots control the game from start to finish. Like, I think it's going to be one of those where it's never really in doubt, but you never know with the Patriots. Like, in the past, the games would always be in doubt. But, like, as long as Newton doesn't turn the ball over twice, they should be fine. Um, real quick before we go, uh, a topic we've brought up this week. I know Tom Curran has been big on it. Uh, Deshaun Watson. Yep. Closer to franchise QB, top five QB, or closer to 15th best quarterback in football, Kirk Cousins? Because Curran believes the latter. Closer to top five. Yeah, I, I think he's a franchise QB. I think he's – I think he's probably in the top five to six. And the argument I've made very simply, and you can take it as disrespect to one guy or whatever. I think if he were on the Kansas city chiefs, he would be an MVP candidate. He'd be seen as great. He'd put up huge numbers. I don't think he's been helped by a lot of what's gone on around him. That's that's what I was just going to say. If you put him on another team, another situation, I think he's in the same category as these other great quarterbacks that you talked about. Yeah, I think he is the pillar around which the Texans need to build. Like everybody says, oh, they're a mess because of the contracts and the draft picks and all that. I think you have a franchise quarterback, so I think a coach can say, okay, so we don't have a draft pick for a year. We'll figure it out. I got Deshaun Watson. I can build around that. Right. All right, so the, the Monday after, I mean, the Sunday afternoon game, we'll be having a post-game podcast Sunday night. Yes. Nice uh, back to a normal schedule. Good test for the Patriots' momentum, and I'll be getting a coronavirus test Sunday morning. <laughs> Sunday morning? Ooh. That delayed? Yeah. Not that easy to get right now. I don't know if you've done any research. Wow. I called my doctor, and the earliest they could get me was Monday or Tuesday, so I went the CVS drive through route, but the earliest they had was Sunday. Interesting. Yeah, they're all Walgreens, none available. CVS, none available over the next couple days. It's apparently a lot of people getting tested. Yes, I... I... I'm aware of that. All right. Well, hopefully everything's well with you on Sunday, and we'll be able to do a podcast on Sunday afternoon. Well, either way, we can do a podcast because yes, you won't know until 24 or 48 hours. Well, you also can't catch it over Zoom. That's true. That's true. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. Peace out.